0: QB one wins national player of the year, which mid-year enrollees are going to be the most important for the 2023 Oklahoma Sooners. And what are the problems that Oklahoma state Oki likes got some issues. And we'll talk about that on today's episode of locked on Sooners.
1: You are locked on Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Congratulations, man. I'm honored to present you Gatorade's National Football Player of the Year. Man. Thank you. It yeah.
0: yeah. means a lot to be named Player of the Year. Uh, looking at the previous winners on here, it's an extensive list, and uh, I'm joining, a, joining some really good athletes, so it's, it's pretty cool. tell my supporting cast thank you for everything they've done and for sticking with me through everything what's up everybody welcome to locked on sooners thank you for making locked on sooners your first listen every single day today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online is where the game starts my name is john williams you can follow me on twitter at john nine williams my buddy here is josh helmer you can follow him on twitter at josh on ref you can follow the show on twitter at locked on sooners and make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube and hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop josh qb1 is player number one in the high school ranks for the 2023 or 2022 season jackson arnold Gatorade national player of the year takes home the award after being named the Texas high school player of the year beating out. Interestingly enough, former Oklahoma Sooners commit turned USC signee Malachi Nelson and the number one quarterback in the 20 or sorry, the number one player in the 2023 recruiting class, arch Manning going to arch rival Texas, Josh.
1: Well, what an accomplishment. What what an award for Jackson Arnold it's awesome good for him obviously uh very well deserved his as a lot of times we see with these high profile high school kids i mean his numbers are just insane from these last couple of years at denton geyer 28 and 3 two seasons as a starter more than 7000 passing yards 67 passing touchdowns to eight interceptions that my friend is an 8.4 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio which again just ridiculous he also ran for basically uh well a little over 1500 yards and uh this past season the the year he's getting rewarded here for 3476 passing yards 33 touchdowns only three interceptions so i mean he just had an incredible season nearly ran for a thousand yards and 24 more scores so he uh obviously is very deserving there's a reason that he was, was right there, fringe five-star range, and then obviously as this cycle went on became a, a five-star by basically everybody in the recruiting world. And uh, right here you see the National Player of the Year, according to Gatorade. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, look, it's tough to get the National Player of the Year to sign with you, right? I think that's probably the biggest lesson in all of this. To, uh, to get the Gatorade National Player of the Year is not some simple feat, but it's the first Sooner signee. To uh to have that distinction, right? Kyler Murray was the uh, the Gatorade National uh, Player of the Year, but of course he signed with Texas A and M and transferred to Oklahoma. So just awesome, man. Well deserved. Yeah, it's
0: an incredible uh, it's an incredible feat, and considering where he was this time a year ago, a four star kid without a home, you know, had been getting recruited by Ole Miss, but wasn't really getting a, a ton of love on the national scene commits to Oklahoma in late January and becomes a huge part of the 2023 signing class and then goes on to have a tremendous, you know, off season where he wins the elite 11 MVP out there in California and then earns his five-star that summer, just com- continues to collect those awards. And then you, you mentioned the stats, man, the passing game we saw, like we saw elements of that, you know, in his junior year and we're expecting him to improve upon that. I mean that's what got him the elite 11 mvp but his ability to run the football i mean 24 touchdowns and nearly a thousand yards like i don't think anybody saw that coming like you saw an athletic player that was going to be able to make plays with his legs but those are some like tim tebow type rushing stats um uh, from your you know really good <laughs> passing quarterback so just incredible incredible 2022 for jackson arnold uh for for denton guyer yeah fell short in the state semifinals against a really good team but What a year for him. And and I think it just goes to show like all the people, and we talked we talked about it this week. We talked about it with Parker on yesterday's show. Just all the people that were right in Oklahoma's recruiting off, you know, back when Lincoln Riley left, back in the spring, back in you know, early summer last year. People spoke way too soon. And Brent Venables did just like the Undertaker. He sat up and just reminded everybody of how good of a recruiter he is. Jeff Levy the same way. And Jackson Arnold, I mean, I think. Is going to continue to be a big time recruiter for the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, not just with the 2023 class, but down the road. I mean, players are going to want to play with him. He's got that much um, cachet on the recruiting trail. And I kind of just loved his response and that little vignette that we played from Gatorade. It was like, it's pretty cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, that I mean, it, it just. I think that just speaks a lot to his personality and his demeanor. Just like, eh, okay you know, whatever we're going to go throw some footballs at Jason Witten now, no big deal. I mean, you know, maybe one day they will be a uh, future hall of fame mates who knows, but uh yeah, just a great feat for him. And I mean, you look at the list of past quarterbacks that want it. You got Peyton Manning. Um, I had the list right in front of me for a second. Jeff George had a cr- tremendous college career, a really good NFL pro Uh, you know, other players. Robert Smith was a fantastic Minnesota Viking running back. Um, where Did uh, who was the other one? You know, we talked about Kyler Murray. There's one more running. Oh, Emmett Smith, like Emmett Smith was a former winner of the award, so like really good company. A lot of really, really good college players, not necessarily a lot of you know, a ton of great pros, but Peyton Manning, Emmett Smith, and now Kyler Murray. Like it, huge accomplishment. Congratulations to Jackson Arnold. Um, uh, just a huge accomplishment,
1: yeah. Just really cool to see him rewarded for that hard work, and uh, obviously greedily for Oklahoma as a fan you're you're watching this and you're like okay yeah this kid's pretty special now uh you know the the Gatorade national player of the year what does that get you at the University of Oklahoma nothing right outside of the fact that uh, you you arrive in Norman Oklahoma with that five-star pedigree national best player in in the nation attached to you so with the award comes some lofty expectations but I don't think that's That's not new territory for Jackson Arnold. That was happening either way. So hats off to him, man. I like uh, one thing you said too, which is we spend so much time talking about in the recruiting sense, you get the early commitment from a Jackson Arnold. And I know in our last show, we're talking with Parker Thune. Okay, well, what's next? Who's who's the first commit or two to come in this 2024 class? And so often it is, if you can get a Hawkins, if you can get an Arnold in that class early, It's gigantic, right, laying the foundation for a recruiting class. But you're right in saying this, Arnold, being the national player of the year and signing with Oklahoma, that's going to help OU in the 24 class. We always think about getting that quarterback in that specific class. But, man, if I'm one of the skill guys in the 24 class, I'm saying, heck, yeah, I want to go play with the Gatorade national player of the year in Jackson Arnold.
0: Well, Kendall Dolby, the cornerback juco A trans or JUCO addition to the class mentioned Jackson Arnold as a big reason to why he ended up at Oklahoma. A cornerback did. So, if it's that, so if that's the case for a cornerback, how much more will it be for a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, uh, a running back? You know, these guys are going to want to play with really good players and having a guy with his abilities, his kind of persona, his demeanor. And and we've talked to Joshua Bates on multiple occasions. He just he raves about the leadership capabilities of Jackson Arnold. And so all that's going to all that's going to lead to not just 2023 being rewarded, but just kind of being that magnet that draws, you know, the gravity of who Jackson Arnold is will draw other players to want to be a part of it. And now, like, you talked about the lofty expectations. I mean, put those on the shelf for 2023 because it's Dylan Gabriel's show still. And also, let's be careful to not Spencer Rattler, Jackson Arnold. You know what I mean? Like, let's not just immediately say, yes, in 2024, he's a Heisman front runner as a redshirt freshman. Or 2025, you know, like, let's let the kid grow into the position. And, yes, you expect greatness. But also understand, like, when he first takes over as the starter, it'll, there might be some rocky roads you know, not every game is going to be 350 yards passing Oklahoma scores, 55 points. Like he'll, especially as Oklahoma potentially transfers or transitions into the sec in 2024. And he's, who knows what that schedule could look like. I mean, he might have to face Alabama on the road in his first collegiate road game, you know, like that, that could be a thing. Um, so, you know, temper expectations, just, just almost like to be fair to the kid, you know what I mean? Like if he lives up to him, fantastic, but also let's not just like put this weight on him in addition to all the weight that's already there with coming with a five-star status, the elite MVP, the national Gatorade player of the year. Um, again, high school kid transition into college. Let's let him grow into the position. And I I think he's going to be great. I really do, but I'm going to also just kind of temper that within myself because we saw Spencer Rattler who was also supposed to be great and just didn't really transpire that way for, for him in Oklahoma.
1: You know, it's, it's funny as you're saying that I don't disagree with anything that you said right there. I think, you know, if you want to call it tempering the expectations, sure, but just not expecting a first round NFL draft pick from the first couple of snaps, right? That's a realistic non-expectation to have for Jackson Arnold. And yet, as you're discussing all of those things, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but, you know, Jackson Arnold, if he's great for Oklahoma, is going to be so important for just the future of what this Brent Venables era looks like, right? Just the ultimate shape that it takes. I've told you, I don't know how many times, John, and, and, you know, really any platform I get to talk about, Oklahoma have said, generally speaking, I'm not super concerned about Oklahoma finding quarterbacks or wide receivers because I think now since Bob Stoops took over, the last quarter century tells us Oklahoma's probably going to be, if not immediately, right then and there that season, it's not going to be a long time before Oklahoma has elite quarterback play and terrific wide receivers. But that being said, you know, now that you're in this new era of Oklahoma football with Brent Venables, I still think that's the case. And yet, you know, Jackson Arnold getting this type of award is a sign for you know, the importance that his career individually could have for Brent Venables in Oklahoma. Again, that's the total opposite, right? That is putting the expectations on him. But, you know, there there is kind of, I think, a little bit of that that comes with that territory. For him and for Oklahoma, it's just he's going to be a massive puzzle piece to what the future looks like.
0: Yeah, and don't get me wrong. Don't mistake what I'm saying. If, if he doesn't have a trip to New York in his future, I think it – will feel a little bit disappointing if Oklahoma isn't in the playoff, whether it's the four team or the expanded, it'll feel disappointing. Um, and if this guy isn't the, you know, I don't want to say the second coming, but if he isn't really, really good, you know, one of the best, you know, quarterbacks in the conference at the very least, or one of the best quarterbacks in the country, it'll feel disappointing, but let's, let's allow that to mature. Does that make sense like expecting him to come in in 2024 or or if for some reason he ends up being you know getting a lot of opportunities in 2023 expecting him to be like college ready ready to just take over games all by himself no like basically expecting him to be Baker when Baker won the Heisman right out of the gate let's just be careful with that because remember Baker had some he took some lumps at Texas Tech Things didn't go perfectly for him his first year as you know, first season as a starter at Oklahoma. So let's like that's that's the thing I, I want to be careful with, I think, is just expecting as soon as he walks in, 80 yard bomb to Jaquay's Petaway. Oklahoma, you know, just runs it up on everybody. It looks like the the Sam Bradford year where they set the record for points scored. You know what I mean? Like that's that's what I'm saying, I think is more than anything he's going to have the expectations just because of everything we just talked about from his high school career. That that's that last year in 2022,
1: but let's
0: give it time to mature.
1: Well, totally, totally with you. And just to that point on a final note on this subject, look no further. You said Baker Mayfield look no further than the Oklahoma quarterback that won the Gatorade national player of the year. It was not immediate for Kyler Murray at uh, Texas a and M. It took uh obviously later into his collegiate career and it took a change of scenery. Let's hope there's no change of scenery involved for Jackson Arnold to be great. But uh, yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, expecting Heisman quality play immediately is uh, a dangerous, dangerous proposition with any quarterback. Well, let's
0: continue to talk about expectations with 2023 signees as we go through the list of mid-year enrollees for the Oklahoma Sooners and who we might think is going to have an impact in year one uh, in this 2023 season. Uh, we'll do that. But first, let me talk to you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports. They got everything covered from NFL, NCAA football, NCAA basketball, MMA, boxing, Major League Baseball, which is, I mean, we're like a less than a month away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So like spring training is right around the corner. You want to get in on some MLB futures. You can do it over at bet online. The NBA NHL seasons are midway through their seasons. So get in on the action over at bet online. Again, the fastest and the easiest place to bet on all your favorite sports bet online is where the game starts. And Josh, we're going to talk mid year enrollees, Jackson Arnold, one of those 14 mid years that is uh, coming to Norman this week. And it's, it's a really intriguing class, uh, of mid years. And I'm just going to read down the list for you real quick. PJ Adabari, Peyton Bowen, Joshua Bates, Caden Green, Caleb Hicks, Derek LeBlanc, Eric McCarty, Phil Picciotti, Dalen Smothers, Keon Brown, Makari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, and one of my favorites, Ashton Sanders.
1: So which of these names could be most impactful immediately? I know that you went and got a lot of edge rush help uh, out of the transfer portal, but because of the five-star billing and honestly, because Oklahoma at times wasn't very good rushing the passer this past season, P.J. Atabare, I think, has to be on everybody's radar. Similarly, and not because Oklahoma was bad in this department, but just out of need, and because of an injury to jacob sexton, caden green is on my radar a little bit as somebody that since he's going to get here early and he'll get schmidified throughout the spring and the summer, if things offensively, the playbook and everything clicks for him swiftly, man, i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that he's somebody up front that if it's not in a starting capacity, but just even as, you know, second string kind of like we saw with both sexton and taylor that that's somebody that can help oklahoma pretty pretty quickly those those two bowen because of the five-star status as well and then uh, again just because i think they need help immediately up front Derek leblanc would be the other name for me those are the those are probably that what is that four names which maybe i needed to only pick one or two but those are the four names out of those 14 that I think are immediately on my radar as okay. They could help OU as quickly as next season.
0: Yeah. I think those are the names. I think a guy like Peyton Bowen can kind of get the Billy Bowman treatment from the 2021 season where, you know, he, or, yeah, 2021, where he's kind of like a nickel player, you know, he plays in some sub packages, returns some kicks for you Cause he's an athletic dude. He returns kicks very well as well. He might not be like a starting safety for you, but you might see him in some three safety looks. You might see him in some slot looks, depending on the matchup, depending on the game. So I think there, I think there's a possibility we see that a little bit. Uh, Caleb Hicks, you know, this is an athletic dude that runs with power and physicality. Uh, we know it's Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck. It's going to be their show. They got uh, a Mecca coming from Oregon that's going to get an opportunity. But if you want a dude that's just straight physical, and is going to pound the way like some good and short yardage situations. Maybe you want to give uh, Caleb Hicks some, some run um, as a short yardage ball carrier, kind of like you did with Javante Barnes early this season, before he kind of really started to take shape later on in the year. I think there, you know, there's a lot of guys. I like that you mentioned Caden green, because I think he could end up being the, you know, the Anton Harrison of this class, you know, Anton Harrison came in as a true freshman and he did get a lot of playing time early on. He didn't necessarily start right away, but he did play it as part of that tackle rotation early in his career and Caden green, he's got the tools, he's got the physicality, he's got the size and you know, he's got the strength already. <laughs> Imagine what Schmitty can do with him in an off season. And then Lord help the rest of the, uh, the conference when Schmitty gets a full year and a full, another full off season with him um, in the 2024 off season. Cause my goodness, that dude's going to be something else. Um, but beyond those guys, Uh, maybe, you know, a guy like, you know, Eric McCarty, he's probably not going to get a great off season because he tore his ACL late in his high school career. Joshua Bates suffered the broken hand. So he's going to be a little bit limited in what he's going to be able to do this off season as well. You know, he'll be able to work his lower body. he will get a lot of work on his lower body, but he might not be able to do a lot of the upper body work because his hands just not going to be potentially ready early on, but who knows exactly what his timeline is going to look like. He could be ready by, you know, mid spring to really get going in earnest. Um, And then just one that's kind of intriguing to me and I don't know how he'll fit in, but Josiah Wagner, Uh, I know he's not like the prototypical corner, you know, big, you know, big, tall, strong, long, long cornerback that you're looking for, but maybe he's a guy that is going to fit in well at the slot, you know, covering guys like a Drake stoops, you know, he's going to in scout team situations. Maybe he's the guy that's covering Drake stoops and Gavin Freeman so that or potentially when you play K state, we, we see Phillip Brooks is returning. Maybe he's a guy that you could throw out there in a matchup with Phillip Brooks and say, Hey, cover him. Do not let him get away from you. Use your speed, match his speed and just cover him. That's all we're asking you to do. Uh, I don't know. Could That, that could be an intriguing name to kind of keep an eye on, but again, it's going to be kind of hard for, for some of these guys. You, know, you mentioned PJ at breaking into the edge rotation because they added, uh, you know Rondo Bothroy, they added Trace Ford to go along with Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes and Marcus Stripling, who it appears they're returning. We haven't heard anything to the contrary, so I wouldn't be surprised if those guys are all coming back. Um, so it, it might be a little bit more tricky. And you got R. Mason Thomas, who I failed to mention. So you got a group of guys that are pretty intriguing there at the edge. Uh, not a lot of guys that fit or are, are like Atabari that are just crazy, tall, crazy, long, crazy, athletic, crazy fast that could have an impact in year one. So it'll it'll be really interesting to see. And the thing I'm most interested in seeing is if these guys are good enough, will Brent Venables play him? Because we've talked on the show how it seems like Venables was, and the coaching staff was really reluctant to play the true freshman, aside from a guy like Javante Barnes, uh, who got a lot of run this year. Jaron Canick got some, but towards the end of the season, didn't really get much. Gavin Freeman got a few plays here and there, but it wasn't like he was, you know, part of the the main wide receiver rotation. So that that'll be the thing I'm kind of curious about is was it just a year one thing in Oklahoma that okay we're going to be reluctant, or could a guy like you know PJ Adibari become a starter? Could a guy like Caden Green become a starter? Are they going to be willing to take a risk in playing a dude that's got the the high upside ability? the big time talent like a Peyton Bowen and be willing to kind of like let them learn on the fly, let them make mistakes and grow from those things. Are they going to be willing to do that? I don't know. That's the thing I'm still not sure about, but at the same time they added a ton of talent in the transfer portal. It's where a lot of these guys may not have to play and that's okay too. So it'll just be interesting to see how that all plays out. And and we'll know more once we see depth charts in the spring depth charts in the fall, but, yeah, it's all speculation right now.
1: It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Uh, you know, we're kind of in that little little in-between transfer portal window. Round one's about to, uh, about to close up, and then, you know, we'll have one month, and we'll be back to it in a little bit with, you know, some spring football to talk about where some of this is going to start taking shape. I don't think we have to worry too much about Josh Bates and the broken hand. I mean, generally speaking, a broken hand, right? I mean, it would have to be – it would have to be a – uniquely bad situation knock on wood i i don't know the situation but typically a broken hand is going to heal relatively quick so i th- i would imagine that he's going to be you know I, I would i would think a full go throughout spring once you you get through there i, I at least I, I would hope i so you know the center position being what it is i'm not going to rule him out as uh if he just wows throughout the spring and the summer to to be right there in the mix uh And then, you know, Keon Brown, just because of wide receiver, where it's at right now, John, and the fact that I know that there's reason to be optimistic about both Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson, simply the recruiting profiles and the athleticism of those two. But man, until I see one of the two really take hold of things and, you know, go have 25, 35 receptions in a season until I see that, which that. Very well could be as soon as uh, the start of this 2023 season. But until that actually materializes beyond a Jaleel Farouk, well, you know, Keon Brown, you're, you're on my radar as somebody that, because you're here in the spring, you're going to have a chance to, I think, get some snaps at wide receiver, John.
0: Yeah. It's going to be really fun to watch because this is going to be a really, really fun class. Like this is Brent Venable's first class. It's like all his, the only guy that wasn't committed or the, that was committed before Brent Venables came is Josh Bates. Everybody else, this is this coaching staff's group. You know, now they'll tell you that the 2022 class was the same. That's that's all their guys. But a lot of those guys recruited or recruited and committed under the previous coaching staff and stayed on board with Oklahoma. And the that's to be credited to them and a lot of great players too. But again, they weren't like. Recruited by Brent Venables and you know Jay Vali and Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates and Brandon Hall from day one. Now the offensive guys, yeah, they were Kale Gundy, DeMarco Murray, Bill Biedenbow guys. So all those guys, they still are, are those guys. But this is the first full recruiting class that's like a Brent Venables class. And it's gonna have his thumbprint on it and how this team progresses over the next few years. A lot is going to be determined by how this class progresses. And so this first offseason with these early enrollees is absolutely huge for them. Let's turn the page to a team that is having a quite a different offseason, uh, and that's the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Mike Gundy, uh, my man, what is going on there in Stillwater? Um, they have had a number of players transfer out. I'm looking at the two, four, seven sports, uh, transfer, you know, list right now. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 players have transfer. Oh, oh, there's a load more players button. Yeah. 16 players transfer out so far. A lot of them wide receivers. We saw trace Ford leave. Uh, just a lot of talent that's leaving. John Paul Richardson, a guy that was, you know, an Oklahoma State dude, uh, Spencer Sanders, who you know, according to some rumors, wanted to come back and was told no. Uh, Derek Mason spent one year in Stillwater and decides that he's going to step away from the game. So, Josh, what do you make of all this stuff that's happening in Stillwater with Oklahoma State?
1: I don't know why Spencer Sanders would be told not to come back after what we saw trot out onto the field both of the two quarterbacks not named Spencer Sanders this past season, I would be begging Spencer Sanders to come back. If, if I was in Stillwater, Oklahoma, that's neither here nor there. It's a a little bit of a house on fire right now. There's just no getting around that. They have lost some quality, quality players. The, the roster based on, again, what we saw from the quarterback play, not named Spencer Sanders this past season, John, and some of the skill guys and just across the board, the, the, talent that they've lost to the transfer portal i mean i think this is one of the worst three teams in the big 12 going into uh next season i mean i think they're bad really bad and for your defensive coordinator to leave like this obviously wish Derek mason the best uh, as he reported that well i shouldn't say he reported he put out in a statement that he's taking a sabbatical from coaching college football i i don't know the ins and outs Of that decision but uh the timing of it is so strange john in the sense that you know if i'm if i'm somebody with oklahoma state here we've got again this house that is on fire in terms of these transfer portal defections on and on and on and the portal window is going to close in one week's time why not wait for one week's time if you're Derek mason so that part of this kind of I don't know. I'll take them at face value, but that sort of has my antennas raised a little bit just because it, it seems strange that you would announce that right now when it would benefit the Oklahoma state program to wait one week.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And you know, their defense wasn't great this year, but they did lose some really important pieces off of last year's defense. And I mean, it was a transition year, just like it was a transition year for Brent Venables and their defense Oklahoma state was kind of in that too. And so you'd think that if there was some issue with, you know, Derek Mason and they just wanted to move on, you'd think they'd give him more than one year to try and figure this thing out, but they, yeah, it, it's just, it's an odd situation. You know, Gundy doesn't seem like he's right. Like the way he snapped at the reporter for asking a question about, you know, coaching decisions and coaching staff decisions. It was just odd, all of that. We didn't really get into it, but he, just didn't seem to handle that well. And just kind of all year, he seems to be more like, um, snappy. If that's the the best way. to put it, Yeah. Just confrontationally, you know, just like not willing to like kind of, and he doesn't have to do that. He doesn't have to answer to anybody, but sometimes just a little bit of tact it goes a long way in, in how you respond to things. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to answer a question without, Oh, that's a, that's a crap question. Or what, what was the, the question, um, for, uh, uh, who was the ball player from several years ago and they called it a clown question, you know, like there's better ways to, answer, you know, to, to go about it you, without having to, to do it like that. So I don't know, just a weird year in Stillwater and I'm not going to like trample on their grave or anything just because Oklahoma's year was not very good in 2022, but just something to watch. And I think it, it it kind of speaks to the kind of changing of the guard a little bit in you know, in the big 12, you know, Oklahoma state was seen as a team that was like on the rise. They were about to become the preeminent power in the big 12 after a really strong 2021 season, they started the year at 20, you know, they started 2022 five and Oh, things looked to be really going really, really well. And then they lost, you know, two of their final eight games and just struggled down the stretch. Some of it was quarterback injuries, but when Spencer Sanders was available at times, he wasn't hundred percent healthy, but he rolled out there anyway and gave it all, you know, for, for Oklahoma state. And it just didn't you know, turn out well for him. Um, and then just all the transfer portal stuff, all the rumors, you know, and, and a lot of it coming from different position groups or one position group in particular, the wide receiver group, and then senior defensive coordinator I leave after one year, it just, uh, it just all kind of smells weird.
1: Yeah, it's not good. There's something in the water in still water, trying to get to the bottom of what's going on out there. I don't know if it's as simple as two words, Mike Gundy, or if it's larger than that. I kind of think with a lot of the skill guys that it is two words, but it's not Mike Gundy necessarily. I think it's Spencer Sanders. When you look around and see that he's not sticking around, well, I'm probably not sticking around either because uh, I saw what the other two quarterbacks did last season. I'm going somewhere else where they do have a quarterback. So I think there's – I don't know. It's – you know, whether it's Mike Gundy or it's Spencer Sanders decision, whatever it is this offseason, if it's a combination of all of those items, is probably the fairest description, John. Whatever it is, it's not gone well for Oklahoma State. And this Derek Mason news feels like it's the the latest bit of just that.
0: Yeah. Now the, the Cowboys did add Alan Bowman, who was most recently at Marshall, but previously was at Texas Tech, who we've seen quite a bit of. Uh, a really you know, good player, kind of a warrior in, a, in his own right, but ended up getting injured a lot, like a lot, a lot. didn't seem like he could actually stay healthy for a whole season. So an interesting addition for them. But, um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of recover this spring going into the fall. Because I think, like you, I'm, I'm like, man, this could be a re- one of the worst Oklahoma State teams that Mike Gundy's ever had, potentially. Uh, again, it all has to play out on the field. You don't know, you know. It's all on paper right now. But yeah, things just don't seem to be on the upward swing for the Cowboys right now. Um, shoot. We didn't even get to talk about Garrett Riley going from TCU to Clemson. That'll have to be a topic for next week, but we'll discuss that uh, on our next episode of locked on Sooners. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Again, subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcasts over on YouTube. Also hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop, hit the like button. Also, go give us a five-star review on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We'd appreciate it. It helps other people find out about the show. But until next time, we hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the, the weather. Hopefully, it's nice and it's not as cold as it was out here in eastern Oklahoma today. But uh, have a great weekend. Stay safe. For Josh Helmer, I'm John Williams. We'll catch you next week. Boomer Sooner.